0: We're honored to have you at Grace Point Church this morning. Amen. We are going to be talking about life according to grace. Uh, you guys know I mention grace a lot around here. And we're going to go to the book of Ephesians this morning, uh, where the Apostle Paul is the greatest preacher of grace in the New Testament. Uh, Twelve times in the book of Ephesians, Paul uses a phrase, and it's called "according to." He has these little phrases that you often see him use re, re, uh, over and over, and twelve times actually uses it more than twelve times in the Book of Ephesians, but twelve times in a positive way, emphasizing God's grace. Ephesians one and seven. I just want to mention this one. It says that in Him, of course, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood. You don't have it through any efforts of our own, but through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches. Notice that, the riches of his grace. If he just said according to grace, that'd be enough. But he says according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 3 and 7, Paul said, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. And then he says by the effective working of his power. Because we speak so much about grace, we use the term grace, sometimes... We act as if we understand it. Hello. See, we know the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. Most of our loans, the banks, car payments, they give us a grace period. Uh, A politician, sometimes unfortunately, and others as well, falls from grace. Grace. We describe a dancer as being graceful. We say grace before we consume our meals. But here's something that you may not know about grace. As far as the gospel record goes, just as far as the Bible records, Jesus, the Lord of grace, who came from a throne of grace, the Bible says in John 1, he came full of grace and truth. And it also says in John 1 that Through him, we have all received grace upon grace, but he never, as far as the Bible records now, he never uttered the word grace from his mouth. Isn't that something? Uh, Some people find that very interesting and say, well, why didn't he? Well, he may have never said the word grace as far as recorded in the Bible, but he absolutely showed grace everywhere he went. How many of those actions speak louder than words? And I believe the main reason is because Jesus did not come to preach a theology of grace. Actually, he came to preach the law to those who were under the law, Galatians says. But he came to redeem us from the law by fulfilling the law on our behalf. But Jesus didn't come to preach grace. He came to be grace for us. And he did this by loving and forgiving unconditionally everywhere he went. How many knows Jesus was a personification of grace? We say around here that grace is a person and his name is who? Jesus. But do we really understand what grace is? Have many in the church settled for a wimpy grace, a weak grace? And what I mean by that, have we been changed by grace? Have we been shaped? Is our life being shaped by grace? Are we being strengthened by grace? And I want to look at that this morning. But let me tell you, grace is the voice that calls us to change. And then it gives us the power to change. Can you say amen? And um, I think a lot of people have settled for what I've heard the term called goldfish grace. How many knows what goldfish grace is? That's like the goldfish. He sits in the bowl. He looks pretty on the shelf, but he doesn't do anything. Good morning. God's grace does something in our lives. It absolutely changes us. And more than you getting grace this morning, I desire to see that grace gets us. Amen. That takes hold of us, apprehends us. Ephesians chapter 3, I realize you're standing. I'm going to read a few more verses and then we'll let you be seated. Ephesians 3.14, this is where our text comes from this morning. For this reason, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's talking, this is a prayer. He says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen Amen. to God's word? Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for grace that changes, shapes, transforms our lives. We bless you. Because you are grace. You are the personification of the goodness, the grace of our Father God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, hey, turn around, shake somebody's hand, and introduce yourself to them. If you don't know them, welcome them to Grace Point this morning. Amen. We're glad you're here. Amen. We're glad to see you in the house of God this morning. I want to just kind of go through these verses and uh, hit some of of the main things that have stood out to me this week in this. Paul here in verse 15, he says, From whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. First thing I want you to see, and a lot of times people miss this, we read over this, but you have a family in two locations. You have a family in really two situations, if you want to call it that. You have one one part of your family that's already been glorified, translated, with the Father. And then you have us in the natural still here in this earth. And I want you to think of this more than when I say you have two families, in uh, one family in two locations, that you think of it more than just in regards to Contemporaries, In other words, family, blood kin, people that you've known, friends, family that have died and gone to be with the Lord. I, w- I want you to think beyond that for a moment. Because it includes them, but it includes far more than that. And so you've got a family in heaven, many of which you have never met. Now I'm talking about the family that you read about uh, in the Word of God. How many knows that we're connected with a, with a big family called the family of God? I told you last time religion does damage to the church in the fact that it tries to present the church anything other than a family. A church is a family, and that's what the Word of God says. And you got to see yourself as part of the whole family. You're connected to something much larger than just your natural family. You may not even know who your natural family is. You may have a very large natural family or a very small natural family, but you're connected to the family of God. The Bible says God sets solitary people into families. That's why we call each other brother and sister Amen. in the house of the Lord. And so Jesus talked about, you know, unless we come into the kingdom of God, in other words, unless we, we, we come to the kingdom as a little child, he said you will in no wise enter into the kingdom. In other words, you won't be able to enjoy the benefits of it. You know, when, I, when my kids were small, they never came to me wanting to know how much money I had in the checkbook. Amen. I never saw them wringing their hands Wondering if we were going to have enough uh, groceries to eat the next week or, or was I going to be able to pay the light bill and keep us cool or warm depending on the season. Because, see, they, they were somehow a little child, they, they have more of a faith to believe that everything's going to be all right than we do when we get older and start worrying about everything. My kids would always just tug on my coat and ask for whatever they wanted. There, there was no fear in them asking for anything. I mean, there's a Bible called God El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. Hebrew name, the God of more than enough. I'm El Shaddai, the dad of more than enough. Now I'm the granddad of more than enough. And, uh, you know, but you've got to understand that when you're in that spiritual warfare, when, in other words, if the devil uh, could whip you, he'd have to whip your whole family. You ever, seen, you ever seen families like that? When I, when I was going to school, they were certain families, certain kids you mess with, you're going to have to whip the whole bunch. You got to whip the whole family. If you, if you mess with their sister or their brother, you can wait with that bus unloads. They're going to be all coming on you. You got to whip every one of them. I remember when I was uh, growing up and in junior high and even before, but I worked in, in, in Cook County in a place that some of you won't know, but it's called Chaserville, Okay. They used to have a little country store out there, and later on they named it Chaserville Mall, just a little old store. But when I was a kid growing up, we worked in tobacco, harvested tobacco out there, and, and I, I was kin to a lot of those people and worked uh, for Mr. Ears Moore out there, and we cropped it back for many, many years. And when I got into high school, my first year in high school, sometimes that's a tough, tough uh, transition from junior high to high school, and you, sometimes you're, you're the target of getting bullied or picked on. and So I remember this real tall guy, you know, uh, he's dead in heaven now and knows better than mess with me. But uh, not because of this, but he, he died a few years ago. But uh, I remember, man, he, you know, he's like you know, he was over six foot then, you know, just six, three or something, just, just real, real tall. And, and he told me he's going to whip me, you know. And uh, so when it came time for that, I didn't realize that all the Chaserville folks were standing there with me. And they told me, they said, you whip, you touch him, you're going to have to whip all us. Then I knew, we didn't call it a gang back then, but it was a group. <laughs> you know, I was part, I, I realized in that moment that I was part of the Chaserville family. And if you whip, mess with one of us, you had to whip all of us. And man, my chest bowed out and I was just, I know, I didn't care if you 6'3 six, three or what, you ain't going to mess with me. Because I had the posse behind me, you know what I'm saying? Well, you got to understand that that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. I'm serious about this. See, see the, the, for the devil to whip you, he'd have to whip your whole family. And I'm not talking about just your blood kin. See, when you're going through something, you need to plug into the whole family legacy of power that you got available to you. See, sometimes I had to just reach back and get the, get the faith of Abraham and pull on that. The Bible says we call him Father Abraham. Why can you call him Father if he ain't part of your family? So we, we get the, the, the faith of Abraham sometime, and I, and I, just, I, I just think about that. The, the, the strength of Samson, the prayer life of, of Daniel, the power of Elijah, the wisdom of Solomon. and, and you, Listen, you, your whole family's bad. Your whole family, we, we're connected. You understand that you're going to meet those people when we go to be with the Lord? That you're going to meet those people. You're going to meet King David. You, you, you're going to meet, he's not just going to be some story in the Bible. See, you, you know, we're connected to the whole family of God. God sees, when he sees his children, he knows he has family in earth and he has family in heaven. Paul said to be absent from the Lord, to be, from this body, is to be present with the Lord. There's a lot of Christians believe that they're still laying out there in the cemetery asleep. They don't understand, you know, uh, those things. But that's what Paul said. He said, I have a desire to depart. If he thought he was going to depart and just lay in some unconscious state in the grave, he wouldn't have been desiring to depart. He said because he knew that to depart he would be with the Lord. The last breath a believer uh, uh, breathes in on this planet, the next breath is in the presence of God Almighty. Can you say amen? And so Paul said in Ephesians 3.16, notice this next verse. He said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, look at this, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. See, all we see of each other is the outer man, but you have an inner man. You, you have that spirit man on the inside, and that's where God has deposited everything that we need. That we, It's all been deposited to us, but we don't avail ourselves of it a lot of times. Paul told him in Ephesians, this same uh, book, the last chapter of Ephesians 6 and 10, he said, he said to be strong in the Lord. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power, listen, of what? Of his might. So if you can be strong in the Lord, then you can be weak in the Lord. If everybody's just automatically strong in the Lord, there would be no need for us to be admonished to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But see, my strength is not in my wisdom. My strength is not in my intellect. My strength is not in anything that I would do. It's not in my power. But my strength and your strength is in the, in the Lord and in the power of his mind. That's where our strength comes from. And we need to live out of the revelation of that inner strength that God's put in our new born-again spirit when we've been born again and saved. So you, you, you need strength not just in times when times are tough. And going through, you know, what you'd say tough times or bad times, you need to be strong. Listen to me. And of course you need it then, but you need strength in good times or what you would call good times. It's all good times if you receive the Word of God. But in other words, you need to be strong in order to receive the blessings of God. Now somebody says, well, how why would I need to be strong? You just, you you know, just receive. No, you have to be strong. To receive the blessings of God in your life. And a lot of people don't, they they don't understand this. Jesus in John chapter 16 and verse 12, he he told them he was about to depart. And he said, I still have many things to say to you. But he said, you can't bear them now. One of the translation in the Greek says, you can't bear up under the weight. How many knows that the words that Jesus speaks are blessings? He said, the words that I speak are life. They're spirit and they are life. So when God speaks to us, how many knows that's a blessing? But, you, but Jesus said, I got many things, many blessings. In other words, I want to release to you, but you can't bear up under the weight of it. He said, I'm going to have to leave here. Not, I'm not able to say to you what I want to say to you because you can't bear the weight. His words are weighty. You know, that's what glory means. Glory, the word is, is kabod. It means weightiness, heaviness, not burdensome, but God's words are weighty. They count for something. They, they mean something. And Jesus said, I got many things that I wanted to say to you. But you can't, you don't have the weight carrying capacity to receive that that I want to say to you. Listen, the test and trials and travails that comes in our life, many times they come because of the blessing. You understand? Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says in Mark 10, 30, he's talking about those that have left houses, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, lands for my sake and for the sake of the kingdom. Have you ever left anything for the sake of the kingdom? See, let me, notice what the Bible says. It said you left it, you didn't lose it. How many knows there's a difference in leaving something and losing something? I've made decisions when I was an EMS chief, Merchant Medical Service chief for Tiff County. I, 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 was, at, I was a chief for, for, uh, for 12 years, worked there for 19 years. But but God moved on me to leave it, to leave that, that vocation, leave that career, and just give myself totally to him. How many knows I didn't lose it? I left it. I left it. And so I left something for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, what I've gotten is so much more than that, but listen to me. So I hear people talking about I left this, I left that, I could have been this, I could have been that. Well, go do that then. You don't never leave anything and get and, and get shortchanged by God. And so so... He says, we, who shall not receive, look here, a hundredfold. A lot of people get mad about that. I didn't write the book. Jesus did. It says a hundredfold now. Everybody say now. now. And in case you didn't know what now says, he says in this time. Now, see, some people say, always look like all the blessings are over yonder in glory land by and by after a while. But Jesus said that if you've ever left anything, you, you did that decision for me, for my kingdom. He said, now you're going to receive a hundred times that. And he said, you're going to receive it now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land. In other words, everything that you left, you're going to get back. is what he's saying. And then he says this. Most people do not read this, work, this part. What does the next two words say? With what? With what? See, and in the age to come, in case you're confused, he said, now, there is an age coming. You're going to get eternal life over there. Don't get confused. But he said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to release a hundredfold blessing on you when you've made a decision to leave something on my behalf he said, and you're going to get it now in this lifetime, in your lifetime, while you can still benefit from it. Aren't you glad? All right? He said, you're going to get it now, but he said, when it comes, there's going to be persecutions that's going to come with it. Now, a lot of you miss that because when the persecution comes, you think there's something going on, the devil's attacking, and you turn loose, and you, you're not strong enough to receive what God's trying to bless you with because, because the blessing's coming, but there's persecutions coming simultaneously with it. See, so y'all ain't shouting now. You don't have that one on your refrigerator, do you? With persecutions, here comes the blessing. See, all you hear is people talk about a hundredfold blessing. They never mention persecutions. But in the verse that says you get a hundredfold, says you're also going to get persecutions. But nobody talks about that except me. Hallelujah. Welcome to Grace Point. We're glad you're here. I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus, in another place in Matthew 13, another place in the gospel, remember the parable that he told of the sower? Sowed the seed. He, said, he said, when persecution arises for the word's sake. It didn't say if it arise. So when the word comes, there will be persecution that will come with the word. Why is the word? Because that word that you say you believe must be tested. Sometimes one of the worst things that happen to you, somebody walk up and prophesy to you, God's going to bless you tremendously financially. The next week you'll have something just the opposite of that you got to understand that that's a lot of times the way it is. When Moses told the children of Israel, the the Hebrews in Egypt, that you're going to a land flowing with milk and honey, he led them three days without a drink of water. Not only are we not seeing milk and honey, but we're not even getting water. We had water in Egypt. That's how they're thinking. That's why they wanted to go back to Egypt. They said there we had cucumbers and leeks and garlics and onions and bad breath and all that stuff that goes... That's a bad diet if you really think about the Bible names their diet. It's pretty tough. And so God leads them through his servant to lead them out of Egypt. They go three days and they're ready to stone Moses because they don't even have water. And then remember God brings them to a rock, which is a type of Christ. And he tells Moses to strike the rock with that rod, which is a type of Jesus being crucified. And out of the rock came enough water to not only slate the thirst of those, you know, 1.2, you know, 1.5, 2 million people, they say. But all the cattle and the camels and all the horses and all the things they brought out of Egypt as well. Isn't that amazing? You know, but sometimes the testing is that wilderness, that dry place, that that time that you're transitioning from one to the other. And you don't realize, and it looks like, as far as you can see, you're not getting any of what's been promised from the word of God. But that's when the test comes. That's when the persecutions are coming. But that just means the blessings are coming if you can hang on. Come on, somebody. See, I, I, I understood this. You know, of course, I was a paramedic, and unfortunately, he said, well, y'all delivered a lot of babies. We never delivered any babies. The woman delivers them. We just caught them. Hallelujah. And I promise you, I had never met a, a fellow paramedic yet that wanted to deliver a baby. I remember one morning, the doctor sent us out of uh, Tifton, out of our hospital, and told us, you know, don't worry about it, guys. She's not going to have it. You're going to get her on up to Macon. Uh, they were concerned about the baby being premature and all. said, so she won't have it. I promise you before she gets to Macon. How many knows that daughter was a liar? <laughs> we pulled over before we got to Macon, and, and, uh, and I was in the back and del- delivered a little baby boy she did. And, and uh, I'm thinking, man, I want to choke that daughter when I get back to it. Because they don't know. They don't know. But, you know, there's things that, that God's placed on the inside of you that he wants, if you can receive this in typology, to deliver to the earth. And uh, I understood when I was there, when all three of my children were born, of course, actually, I, by myself, totally, I got to deliver Kristen because our doctor was late getting there. And he wasn't worried about it. He said, I thought you'd have it all done when I got here. And, um, but, but watching my wife, especially with the first one, when our, when our first son was born, I understood there more than any other time why they call it labor. Because she was working. She was working hard. Let's tell you something, a woman has to be strong to have a baby. Do you, you understand that? Because there, there, there's work, that's why they call it labor. And, and, and sometimes we don't understand that, that we're birthing something through, through travail and through trials and things, that, that, that we're, God's wanting to birth something in the earth through us. The Bible says in the next verse, Ephesians three seventeen, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now I want you to notice something here. This is real simple, but Christ may dwell. he's not visiting. Christ dwells in you. He's not visiting. He doesn't come and go. There's no revolving door. You know, some of this stuff that we've been told, well, you know, you you got to do this to get back in fellowship with God. God's left you. you got to, you know, it, it was appropriate in Psalm 51 for King David to pray a prayer and say, Lord, take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. That was appropriate. That's old covenant. That's before the cross. That's before the resurrection. But it is inappropriate for a New Testament believer to pray that same prayer. Because God's not a liar. He said that when you've received him, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, either you believe the Bible or you believe how you feel. Sometimes you may not feel like, I feel like you're a million miles. Don't say that. Don't. Oh, Lord, I feel like you're a million miles away. Don't express your feelings because that's a lie. God's not a liar. He's not a million miles away. You know, stop looking up. Just look. look. He's six inches away. He's in your heart. God will never leave you. you. Why are you cast down? Why are you discouraged? God will never leave you. He said, never. And then he said, in case you didn't get it, I won't ever forsake you either. People will leave you. Man, people will turn on you like a dime. And Christians are the worst. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, they'll drop you. Their marriage is falling apart. They're all in there in my office on the couch, and then they're keeping me for hours, hours, praying with them, crying. And some, some of them I ain't seen in months. They ain't even said boo or bye. Run into folks all the time. Run in people yesterday. You know, oh, we love you. We love you. You're the best preacher I ever heard in my life, and you don't even come here no more. You just stand there lying. I have to really bite my tongue not to just say, Liar! Man, if I joined the 4 H club, I'd tell him if I was leaving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How much more the kingdom of God, and the church? Christ ain't like that. He ain't flaky. Not up one day, down next, like you one day, hate you the next. He dwells in your heart by faith. It's by faith. He dwells in your heart. It's not by your performance. It's not by your feeling. It's by faith. It's not by mysticism. I get people all the time. I've been doing this a long time. I've been preaching over 30 years, pastoring over 25 years. And, and sometimes people will come, you know, to Grace Point and they'll they'll come in and they'll, you know, they want to talk to me or something like that. And then, you know, they'll tell me, wait a minute, I'm getting word. I'm thinking they're having a gas pain. I mean, I'm. Listen, we're not impressed by that. Well, I just see two tumble bugs. I don't know. if I just saw two tumble bugs and they were. Run into each other and one fell over. I don't know what that means. No. We don't either. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, I mean, I believe in, 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 in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and prophecy and all. But, but all that mysticism, you know, just, you know, you ever, you, know, you ever, I mean, that's not how Christ dwells in your heart. We're not impressed by that. No, nothing will ever exalt itself above the Word of God in this church. The Word of God is preeminent. It takes precedence. God said, I've honored my word above my name. And we sung this morning about the power of his name. But God said, my word I esteem even greater than my name. Because the word became flesh. You understand? If I said something to you, this is the kind of stuff that I, 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 I don't like to say, really. I really don't. You think I probably do. But in, 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 when, you know, in Genesis we read where God says, you know, he, he makes a statement. He says, let us make man in our image. Right? And everybody says, you know, that he was talking, you know, to, and that was the Father talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, watch them, they're going to splice this out and play it somewhere. But here, here comes the statement Jesus wasn't there. He couldn't have been talking to Jesus because Jesus wasn't there. I can't even believe some of y'all are scrowling, you're brown looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. Have you ever read the Bible? Do you know that it says, what, in the beginning, John 1, which is the genesis of the New Testament, in the beginning was the Word. That's capital W-O-R-D, by the way. In the beginning was the, not a. Not a. There is a group that will wake you up on Saturday morning with some magazines in their hand, and they'll tell you it says a. They will. They have their, they have their Bible. It says a word. That way, if it can be a word, there can be a bunch of words. No, there's only one word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then down in verse 17 of John 1, it says, That word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. So Jesus was known in heaven, not by Jesus in Genesis. I mean, don't get mad. But Jesus Became Jesus at Bethlehem. That was the name that God told Gabriel to tell his mother to name him. That he would be a savior of the world. There was a bunch of people named Jesus in the Bible. I mean, as far as in Bible times. That was not an uncommon singular name. You got, you, some of you don't even know that. But listen. But in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. See, the, but God was talking to the Word and to the Spirit. The Bible says they are three that bear witness in heaven, and they agree. The Word and the Spirit agree one with another. And so you you, you have to understand that Christ dwells in your heart through faith. And uh, I'm so glad that I don't ever pray. I don't have to pray for the anointing because the New Testament says we have the anointing. See, I don't have to feel it to know I have it. We've got to stop this thing about having to feel everything to believe that we have it. See, I don't spend any more time praying for the mind of Christ because I have the mind of Christ, Paul said. But most of the New Testament Christians, do not they, they don't, they're praying for it, and we already have it. You, you hear me, I beat this drum a lot. I know, but there's new people here that needs to hear the tune. Oh, Lord, we just ask you to go with us from this place. I don't want you praying that in front of my grandbaby or in front of my kids because you're, you're indoctrinating them with wrong theology. If we're having to pray and ask God to please go with us from this place, then you make it sound like he lives here. And we just come here on Sunday to visit him. Huh? And we're also calling him a liar because he said, I'll never leave forsake you. So we're having to ask him because we don't believe that apparently. So we're asking him to go with us from, as we leave this place. Now I know grandpa prayed that and you heard it pray it. And then that's why you're praying it because you heard him pray it. And you thought it was right because they prayed it in church. Listen, how about praying like this? Lord, we thank you that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. And we thank you, Father, as we leave this place that you go with us. See, that's what I want to hear my children here pray, because that's the truth. God's always with you. You may not feel like he's with you, 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 but but he's always with you. Why? Because he's not a liar. His word is true. Can you say amen? amen? And then he says this. He said, rooted and grounded. I want you to know it says being rooted and grounded in love. How many sees a comma there? It's not a period, so the sentence is going on. And I want to just look at this. He says, may be rooted and grounded in love that may be able to comprehend, look at here, with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height. Now, rooted and grounded in what? See, I, I tell you, it takes so many believers so many years. Sometimes they never even do it. They never become really rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. They really Never become rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And if you listen, if you're not rooted and grounded in, in, in God's love for you, you're going to have trouble comprehending what is the width, length, depth, and height of the love of Christ that's in, in Him. See, how are you going to begin to comprehend that? Now, I, I want to go. Can I go deeper on this verse? I, w- I want you to see something here. You have to come to the place in your life that you start comprehending. With all the saints. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. First off, you have to admit that you're a saint. Nowhere in the Bible does, does the Bible ever call a saint a sinner, nor does it ever call a sinner a saint. Once you're born again, whether you act like it, look like it, feel like it, talk like it, you is and are a saint. And the Bible is written to the saints. God didn't say, I want you to be able to comprehend with the rest of you sinners saved by grace. And that's real popular in the American church. Where we're just old sinners, brother. Dale. That's what you were. It's important what you think because you'll do what you think. You're not a sinner any longer. You're a saint. You hear Christians say this. I've grown up hearing this all my life in church, overhearing two people talk. Well, I'm not trying to be a saint or anything, but. Well, how about trying to be a saint one time? Because that's what the Bible says you are. Well, I don't look very saintly. Well, that's fine because you're not a saint in what we can see. You're a saint in what we can't see, which is the inner man. Your spirit is what got born again. You know, uh, same book, Ephesians 4 and 10, Paul said that when you got born again, he says he encourages you to put on the new man, listen, which was, not will be, over yonder in the glory land, which was created according to God. Do you understand that God made your spirit according to him? According to God. If you build something, a building according to the plans, it's going to look just like the plans when it's few God says, when I built you, when you got born again, I made your spirit according to my spirit. Put it up for me if you ain't got it up. Ephesians 4.10, you got it up? Ephesians 4.10. According to God, he said, you was created in true righteousness and wholeness. You understand this, and I know most of you know this now. Righteousness is not something you attain, it's something you receive. Righteousness is earned, not achieved. I mean, it, it is not achieved or earned, it is received by God. God gives you His righteousness. It's not ours, it's His righteousness. What does it say about our righteousness? Filthy rags. We, we can't stand before God with any good thing like that. It's His righteousness. Holiness, you don't grow in holiness. Well, I'm more holy today than I was five years ago. No, you, listen, you may be demonstrating more holiness, which means separation, sanctified, set apart for God, but you're, you, as far as in your spirit, the inner man, that's what I'm trying to get you to see. That part of you, I, see, I went for decades as a believer and never knew this. I never knew this. I'm, and when I would read prayer, uh, stuff in the Bible, like in the book of James, where it says, the prayers of a righteous man, a much, month, I, I would go, now who in the church is righteous that I get to pray for me? Yeah, yeah. Now, if, if, if you can get this, that's why you come up with prayer chains and prayer lines. and get the, bro, I, Go get Brother So-and-So to pray for you. He can get a prayer through. I know God will hear her prayer. Go get her to pray for you. I see people all the time on Facebook, you know, people saying, uh, please pray. You know, and, and they, want, they think if they get 100 people praying, then, then somehow that, that's better than one person praying, and it's sure better than them praying. And in a crisis, come on, now listen to me. A crisis will come. We need to get as many people praying for this as we possibly can. You know why you talk like that? You didn't get that out of the Bible. You got that out of church because you don't know Papa. You, don't see, you see God like a judge. You still don't see him as your father. You see him like a politician that you've got to get a petition together. And you think he's impressed by numbers. And the more people you can get on your petition, the more likely you are to get your prayer answered. That's all, that's demonic. See, you're not rooted and grounded in love. You don't know God loves you. You don't have any confidence in your prayer Because you don't have any confidence in your relationship with God. Because you don't have any confidence that he really does love you 24-7 all the time. And it's not based on anything you've ever done. We say this in church, but people don't understand it and get it. You know, that there's not anything you can do to make God love you anymore. And God didn't decide to like you because you decided to get saved. While you were yet sinners, God set his love upon you. God demonstrated that he had love by dying for you on the cross. While we were yet sinners. God doesn't love you anymore. You can be sitting in church all purted up and perfumed up with a bobble in your lap than he does when you were sitting in the bar snorting cocaine. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're glad you're here. Glory to God. Because God's not flaky. God's not humanistic. God doesn't love you. You do good, be good, I like you. You do bad, be bad, I dislike you. That's the world. God is not a man, the Bible says that he should like. God's not like that. God can't help but love because God don't have love. God is love. I said God is love. And we so abuse that word in our culture. Oh, I love Big Macs. I love, I love me a Big Mac. I love hamburgers. I love French fries. I love golf. You do. No, you like a hamburger, you like golf, but you don't love golf because it can't love you back. Why does it make you cuss then? Throw your clubs in the air. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. (laughs) It don't love you. No, 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 no. Golf don't love you. No, it don't love you. But God loves you. You know, let me tell you something. The hardest thing in the world for me, to, the, the task that I've ever been given, is to preach the love of God, particularly to Pentecostal charismatic background people. Because they have been raised that God going to get you. Now, don't get mad at me, dear sisters. But some of this stuff like, wait till your daddy gets home. Wait till your daddy gets home. He's going to tear your butt up when he gets home. That whole mentality, though, is pretty common, you know, that daddy's going to get you. And I've talked to a lot of these dads over here, and so dad pulls up from work. He's been out all day, and he didn't want to come in and, you know, and, and discipline a kid. He wants to come in and hug a kid, sit down and rest. I mean, you know, you should have seen what he did at 12 noon. Well, you should have toys his behind up at 12 noon then. But we have that culture in the church. God's going to get you. Wait till you stand before God. He's going to play all the videos of all you sinned and all you did in secret. You ever heard that one? There are so many lies that circulate. If God did that, that would make God a liar because the Bible says under this new covenant, over and over in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to just find a couple of places, it says it in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, he says, I will remember your sins no more. I'll remember your sins no more. Some of you run around and say, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. Yeah. If you read Acts chapter 5, it says the Holy Spirit's God. It's going to get quiet. All we're going to hear is the hum of the heat. And, and some of you right now, I shouldn't even bring up these little side trails, but some of you think you got Bible for it. You don't. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will... Jesus said he will convict the world of his unbelief because they don't believe in me. And the word translated in English, convict, is the same word, convince. See, if the Holy Spirit is God, and by the way, he is, and if God said, I will never remember your sins no more because of what Jesus did on the cross, then what's he convicting you of? He'll convince the world that Jesus is the Savior. He says judgment will come because, he says, the the prince of this world has been judged. Power of the air. See, we just need to read the Bible and get our head out of religion and listen to what God says. The Holy Spirit is a great, he's God, he he indwells us. He's not there to badger you and, and shove your sins up your nose. The Bible says if the sacrifice in Hebrews worked, we'd be no more sin conscious. We've got a church that's way too sin conscious and not God conscious. And there's still people believing that you can just preach sin long enough, hard enough, talk about it enough that people will somehow get free from it. That's like if you stare at chocolate cake long enough, you won't want none. That's dumb. The Bible always tells you to look unto Jesus. Always to focus on Jesus. Come on, somebody. But see, I want you to look at this Verse. Maybe you had not seen this before, but he says that we may be able to comprehend. That means understand with all the saints. Now, so my comprehension of the love of God is tied up with you, saints, plural, with all the saints. What is the uh, width, length, depth, and height? And so what's he talking about? All right. How am I going to begin to comprehend with all the saints? What is the the, the width, the, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ? Let me tell you what that means. If, if, if I, Ivory, my elder, if I said, let's measure the, the length of this auditorium. And I gave him the other end of a tape measure, and he heads that way. How many knows he's getting further and further away from me? He's going this way, I'm going that way. But until we reach the limit, then and only then do we know what the length of this building is. Is that right? Hang on with me. Same thing with the height, same thing with the depth, all that is the same. So what does Paul mean that we together with all the saints would be able to comprehend the love of God? See, when we stop playing church and saints get real, and when I, with you, when you tell me how far away you went from God, when I tell you how this time I was, you know, Whatever in my heart, and I, I went to this degree. I went to this depth in sin. I, 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 I went to this length. In other words, some of you, you we, we, we try to put on Sunday morning pretty. When I, with all the saints, the Bible talks about, in James, the church is to confess your faults, not your sins, faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And, and with all the saints, in other words, when I see some of you and, and, and you hear the testimonies that come out of the people that are sitting in this auditorium, then you know, and only then, when I, in other words, when I see how much God loves you, when I see that the depth you went into sin, into bondage, in addiction, or whatever, and, and yet you still experience God's love, then and only then do I begin to comprehend the love of Christ that he has for me. See, some of us need to hear those testimonies because some of us can't comprehend the love of God for us because we don't know how far you went. But if everybody in here was able to tell their story, and we knew how far you've been, how deep into sin some of us have been, how addicted that we have been, how lustful we have been, how, how the depth of bondage that we have been in, and yet today you see us lifting our hands and, and worshiping God and, and, and experiencing God's love for us, then you can begin to comprehend with all the saints what, how much God loves you. Does that make sense to you? See, so that, that's how we begin to comprehend because I see the effect of God's love in your life. I see how you've, you've made it over. You, you're, you're, the reason we called overcomers is because we come over some stuff. We've been through some stuff. And, and we've, you know, everybody wasn't born, you know, born out the crib, born again. We were born, but we needed to be born again. And so when I hear the testimonies, why I love going up there and seeing the men at the house of grace. When I see the testimonies of God's love, you know, the depth. I want to tell you, just as deep as sin's roots have ever been into you, all that does is mark the level of how deep God's going in you. That's all it does. And to the depth that God's uh, love, I mean, you say, well, I've been so deep into the cult. I've been so deep into this. That just means God's going to that level and then more. Amen? And it says in verse 19 of Ephesians 3, to know The love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now look what he says. He says, I want you to know, and then he tells you you can't know it. He says, I want you to know the unknown. I want you to know it, but then he says you can't know it. He says, because it surpasses knowledge. It's going to go beyond up here. I want you to know the love of Christ, but then he says in your mind you can't know it but I want you to know what you can't know. Now, how are you gonna explain that to somebody? Well, the only thing I could think of is when I was a kid growing up, sometimes my parents would say to me, well, when you get kids of your own, you'll understand. Anybody ever heard that one besides me? They said, mom would say, ain't no way I can, I can explain it to you because you don't have kids yet. But once you have kids, you're gonna look back on this and you're going to realize how much I love you, and that's why I'm telling you no or telling you whatever you don't want to hear right now. You just don't know because you can't know. I'm trying to get you to know, but you can't know it. This is something you, you're not going to learn in a book. This is something you're going to have to feel. And, man, when I was in that delivery room when my, my first son was born, I started crying. I've seen a lot of- you know I've been paramedic for twenty years i I've seen a lot of babies born, but this one here is making me cry because I loved him before I ever saw him, and we lived in a day when you didn't have now they got this these these sonar, whatever they call these imagery now you can just see their features now you know but you couldn't we didn't see all that then and 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 and, and same way with all of my children and I remember holding my children and thinking my mama looked. Mama, <laughs> you love me this much? And that's why my mama, I'm, I'm 58 years old, and I'm still her baby. Sometimes I go to her house or, wherever, or she comes to my house, and she'll just sit by me and hold my hand. Or sometimes she'll just rub my arm. And I realize that even though I'm 58 years old and she's in her 70s, I'm her baby. She sees me going through anything. She's talking to me. She's calling me because she still. And that's why your kids don't understand it until they get kids. Because it don't matter how what age they get, you still love them. And these women are gonna say it. Sometimes the daddies will say, you, 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 "I mean, you, you're gonna always be my baby. You're gonna always." We, we, you know, we can't explain that kind of love. And you think that love is something? Wait till you get grandkids. I didn't know there was another level. But, oh, some of y'all have come into that revelation. But, man, when them grandbabies come, like the man said, if I knew they was this good, I'd have had these first. <laughs> I mean, I mean there, it opens up a capacity and a love in you that you just didn't know was even available. And I love my kids. Now my wife tells me, she, she just told me this in the last few days. Because, you know, my, Aiden asked me, he said, he said Papa, you, you love me more than Mimi? Talking about my wife. And I didn't say, I ain't answer that. In her presence. We was in the kitchen when he asked, and, and, and she just, she, she said, oh, yeah, he loves you more than me. That's what she said. She would have never said that. But it's just a different, I don't know, sometimes I just say it's a different kind of love. But you, th- you think that love is special? It don't even compare to how much God loves you. But see, because the Bible talks about perfect love, cast out all fear. The only love that is perfect, none of us have ever loved anything or anyone perfectly. Can we just admit that? And our love is not perfect. But I'll tell you whose is. God's love for you is perfect. It is unconditional It is not merited on your performance based on your behavior. God loves you before the foundation of the world. And if you would be rooted and grounded in that, then you would start being able to comprehend with all the saints as you look around at our stories and our testimonies in our life, and you would start understanding that the love of Christ. And you would never again come to a trial or a test or or a crisis in your life and doubt God's love for you. Well, God, where are you at? God, I can't believe you allowed me to go through this. See, a lot of those prayers are wrong because they're, they're accusatory. You're, you're assuming that God did allow it. Most of that, we allowed it. Come on now. But I never imagined I could love like that. But that's how it's describing God's love. Verse 20 of Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able. Now I want you to see something here that we miss a lot. He says, now. Everybody say now. Say now. Now we just got through talking about comprehending with all the saints the love of God because we're rooted and grounded in his love for us. We're starting to see and able to comprehend how much God loves us. This allows us to live out of that fullness of God that he's placed within us. God, the Bible says in several places, don't think that this verse is implying that we get the fullness. Paul says over and over we have received the fullness of God. He says, you have the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling within you if you have Christ dwelling within you. So listen to me. So how can you have a double portion prayer line then? Some of you were raised in Pentecostal or even charismatic. Well, you know, come, come up here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray to ask God to give you a double portion of his blessing. You ever heard that one? How many have been like me? Been in that line. But it's all a head game. Now, I'm not saying intentionally deceiving people, but you can't get a double portion of full. If your glass is full, you can't fill it up again. Full is full. And if some of you would believe the Bible and believe that you have, the, you know, Lord, I just ask that you bless me. See, you're asking for what you've already been given. Some of you are you're looking at me so strange. Have you read the Bible? Have you read where Paul says in Ephesians 1, he said that we have received the blessing of God. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly place. You have the blessings of God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the anointing from the Holy One. You have the unction from the Lord, it says. You have all these things. Well, where are they, brother? They're, I sure don't feel them. I don't see them because they're in your inner man. They're in your spirit. And you have to learn to live. When the Bible talks about live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. That's what it's talking about, living out of the revelation here of your spirit, not your head. My spirit believes things that my head has not yet believed. The Bible says in Romans 10, when a person is being born again, it says, With the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. So you believe in your heart, not in your head. You don't have to have this all understood or, or, or calculated out. You just believe it. because That's why it's called faith, y'all. And you live out of that revelation. But see, now when all that has rooted and grounded, uh, the love of God with all the saints, now, now you get in verse 20 of Ephesians 3, you get that now. Everybody say now. now. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now listen, when you are rooted and grounded in love, when you are rooted and grounded in love, when you begin to comprehend the love of Christ, then comes The now. Say now one more time. Now. Now. Listen, I wonder what would happen in mine and your life if you took that now that we just read in verse 20 and you took it out of the Bible and placed it on your calendar. And if that now really became now to you right now in your life, on your calendar and you took the now out of the Bible and it became now for you. Then if you, if you bring that into now, you know what, what follows it? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Now if Paul just said exceeding, that would have been enough, but he added L-Y. And I don't know if you remember this from English, but when you add L-Y to something, that means it just keeps right on going. Exceedingly. Paul said it's beyond exceeding. It just keeps on exceeding. So I've got to put a L-Y on this exceedingly. And you think that would be enough, he says exceedingly. And then he goes, no, that's not enough. He says abundantly. And he puts a L-Y on that. It's, it's not just abundant, but it's abundantly. So the abundance just keeps going. The exceeding just keeps going. And then he says, it's more than that. Then he says above. And then it says above what? All that you have. No, that ain't what he says. It don't say it's above all that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you have in your bank account or at your house or your gifts or your talents or your ability. It's not above all that you have. It's above what? All that you what? Ask. That's your prayer life. And then what? Think. That's your imagination. God uses your imagination. Now, so he says, exceedingly abundantly above all, not that you have, but that you ask and think. That you ask and think. Now, wh- wh- where, where are the people that dream big? Where, where's my really big, where's my high rollers dream big people at? St- st- stand up if you are a big dreamer. Stand up. You raised your hand. You said you was. Now, what are the rest of you doing? <laughs> Tired ain't got nothing to do with this. He says, above, exceedingly, abundantly, above all, you can sit down, all. Everybody say all. I'm going to tell you what that means in Greek. It means all. You may tell you what it means in Hebrew. All. Above all that you ask. God says that anything you can ask, ask as big as you can ask. And he said, I'm above that. We we never let this verse sink in. Ask anything you want to ask of me, and I'm beyond that. God says, I'm beyond that. And then he says, or just think about it. Anything you can think of in your life. God says, think all you want to think. Imagine all the greatest imagination you can have of where you want to go, what you want to do. God's something beyond that. God's not going to hit no ceiling. You know how we used to say it in the old church, Brother Iver, he, he He's so high we can't go over him. He's so deep we can't go under him. So wide you can't get around him. God said, I'm able but see, there's a catch in this verse, and you know I'm going to hit that, and then we're going to be done. Now, you got to bring it now. It can't be next January. It can't be January 2019. It's got to be January 2018. It's got to be now. you, you got to a key for us living and enjoying this life that God provided, this abundant life, is to know that you're rooted and grounded in his love and that you stop always trying that case in the courtroom of your heart. And you settle the case and slam down the gavel, and you never entertain nobody ever coming into your courtroom of your heart arguing against God's love for you any longer. And you never point to situations, circumstances, or your pain as proof that God doesn't love you. Some Christians live there. They're fine as long as things are fine, circumstance, but let things go awry, and all of a sudden, they begin to doubt. Brother Dale, I don't understand. I thought God loved me. See, what you just said with that is God's a liar. See, you are agreeing with the enemy, and that's how you empower an enemy is by agreeing with him. You just have to stand, and I'm talking about some good old tenacity. I'm talking about some stick-to-itiveness. I'm talking about that, you know, it's not going to move you anymore. You, you know, you've looked real close at the cross. I mean, go, go, go get the movie The Passion and sit down in the, in the quietness of your living room and watch that movie of the crucifixion of Christ and then come out of that and tell me he don't love you. And he did all that while we were sinners. And get a revelation of God's love for us. Some people, you know, here preacher, I grew up in church here, and I'm talking about, see, in the book of Revelation, Paul or John would write to this church at Ephesus, Ephesians. And in Revelation, there is one of those letters addressed in Revelation to the church at Ephesus, the same ones I'm preaching about that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to. Are you with me? It's not my message. But listen, he's writing it, and that's where he said to that church at Ephesus, to the Ephesians, he said, you have left your first love. Remember that? And he said repent, which means, now see, to the church when you say repent, they mean cry at the altar and use a politician tell God how sorry you are and what a rotten sinner you are. That's not what the Bible means when it says repent. Because if that's true, then God's a sinner because the Bible says several times that God said he repented. I said it says in the Bible that God repented. I didn't get one amen on that one, not one. He told Jonah to preach and told the city of Nineveh, I'm going to destroy you in 40 days. You won't even be on the map. And they repented. Right. And then the Bible said that God in the King James says he repented. Yeah. So other translation said he relented. Same thing. He changed his mind. Some said God never changes his mind. He sure does. Because God desires mercy, not judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment always. Sin's real, but God's grace is much more abounding than sin, much greater than sin. I'm not ever making light of sin. I'm not saying sin's not an issue. That's why Jesus came. Him who knew no sin became sin for us. That we would be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you gotta understand, stand this, that, that God's love for us is far greater than any of that. But it says that 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 they repented. God don't want to bring judgment to any any anybody. And so Jesus Christ absorbed the judgment and the wrath of God on the cross. And he bore that punishment. He he he, he bore that that sin and, and, and judgment of God for us. So you, you got to understand that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think of him. This, here's the catch now. If You want to call it a catch? But we've got to finish the verse, right? According to what? That works where? In us. Now, if you believe that power is something you got to pray for and that God still has yet to deliver that, you're going to have a real tough problem. But Acts 1 and 8 says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. When did the Holy Spirit come upon you? When you received Christ. Jesus said, if you have not my Holy Spirit, you're none of mine. You can't get born again without the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Are you with me? And if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the power of God. You may not be availing yourself of it, but that's your problem. That's not God's problem. God has given you the power of God. You have the power to overcome anything in your life that the enemy was to ever throw in your path. You have power to overcome because you are already an overcomer through him who has overcome Jesus Christ. So your victory, you see, victory is not something you fight for in the New Testament church. Victory is something you fight from. There is a fight, but it's a fight from faith. It's, a, it's not a fight for faith. See, some of you are praying for more faith. Lord, we just I just need more faith. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul said this. He said, The life that I now live, I live by the faith, listen, of the Son of God. The Bible says, I have given to every man the measure of faith. I love it when you wrinkle your brows and go, I thought I was supposed to pray for more faith. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And what's happening to you now is the faith that God's given you is being stirred up and being activated on the inside of you. And if you'll learn to live out of that faith that God's put on your spirit. But don't see that God's got to dispatch you to UPS truck from heaven down here and give you a, drop off a box of faith at your house. Because see, what that means is that you're deficient, you're lacking. You ever hear these prayers? In my book out there, I got a whole chapter on the, the, you know, the myth of more. In the church, I, I, I live for decades. I don't want you wasting time doing this. Lord, m- more of you, less of me. You ever heard that? Lord, more of you. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, if we just had more of you, Lord, we just need more of you. And see, you, you, that sounds so right, doesn't it? But it's absolutely theologically wrong. But God says, when you got born again, I gave you my fullness. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not my halfness. Not a little nibble, little drink. Well, where's that? you got to learn to live out of your spirit. you got to learn to believe the Bible, live out of the revelation of what God did. See, born again is a really big deal. Yes, sir. And in your new born again spirit, God placed within your spirit everything you would ever need. The Bible says pertaining to life and godliness, all of that has already been given, not earned, to you. And when we learn to live out of that, then that's when our life begins to manifest those things now hopefully a year from now we will see more of Christ see the Bible says work out your own salvation you ever heard that one with fear and trembling what does that mean work for your salvation no work out what God put in just allow to flow out of you what God put in you work out get it to the outside because unless it makes it to the outside we can't see it I can't see your spirit Though it's perfect and righteous and holy, yet I can't see. All I can see is the house where you live. You live in the house, but all I can see is the house. I can see the outside. Are you with me? Are you you, you getting this? And so he says that, that I can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think, but it's according to the power that's at work in you. This last statement. How much of God's power are we allowing to work through our lives? How much are we yielding? See, now I used to be a preacher, and I would fast and pray and beg and plead God to anoint me. And a lot of people still have understanding. I go to different places to preach, and a lot of times the leadership will gather around me in the office. You know, if I'm sitting new, and they'll lay hands on me, and they'll say, "God," they'll pray prayers like this. They say, "God, I just pray you would anoint Brother Dale today with a special anointing." Like you never anointed him before. I said, pray you would anoint him. And I'm sitting there being prayed for, you know, I'm being kind. And I'm thinking, if you didn't think I was anointed, why did you invite me? <laughs> Who wants to hear somebody that's not anointed? See, I have the anointing whether I feel it or not, whether you see it or not, because the anointed one, which means Messiah, lives within me. I have the anointing. I'm not praying for it. I don't fast for it. I don't cry for it. And so now my life is just a lot less stressful because I just say, Lord, I thank you for the anointing. And I thank you as I stand before your people today. Lord, help me, listen, to yield uh, to that anointing that you've placed on the inside of me. Help me to lean not on my own understanding but upon your spirit. Let me be led by your spirit, Lord, and not by my eyes and what my ears hear and my eyes see. And so I want, to, I want to yield to that anointing, but I don't ever leave the house ever again thinking I don't have an anointing. And I want to tell you, God's anointing is just as important on the marketplace and on your job and on your business as it is here in this church building. You've been Some of you, you carry an anointing to be a mom. You carry an anointing in the marketplace to be a CEO or CFO of a company. You carry an anointing to, to be an electrician. you got an anointing to, to be a, a mom or a housewife. God's anointed you. You, you need to realize that this, uh, this is not something that works on Sunday only in this building from 1030 to 12. No, you have an anointing. God, you've anointed me. You know, I, I have to just rely on, see, I'm strong in, the, in my inner man. I, I know I look weak on the I, and I am weak on the but in my inner man, I got strength that comes from God. And I, I don't have strength that I, I mean, I, I'm weak in some areas. Man, I wish I could sing. And I, we were, I was talking up there, and that's our son-in-law, and my son there, John, playing the guitar and worship. League. And man, and Jill was talking, about, listen to him pick that guitar. She told me, I hope Aiden can play like that when he gets. You know, so, you know, it doesn't show a lot of interest right now, would it? But man, I wish I could play like. That. Well, if I could play like that in high school, I'd have had more girls than you know than the, than the buses could hold. You know what I'm saying? I mean, singers and pickers, man, they ain't got the girls. That's not my strength. You don't want to hear me get up and sing. I ain't Donnie McClurkin. I'm not going to be able to get up there and bail that one. But when I stand in my strength, I can do my part, what God's gifted me to do. I have to know where, where, where my strength comes from. So I just, I, I just stand. You see, you, you're, you're strong. God's, God's gifted you and, and strengthened you. And, and you just have to stay in that strength and, and, and yield yourself to what God's called you to do. Do you see that? Now, he says, according to. To the power. Now, all I'm saying to you is God's given you the power. If you have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've not been born again, you don't have it. But if you've been born again, the power of the Holy Spirit indwells you. The Bible says it like this yes, in another verse. It says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. This is what it says. Dwelleth within you. Doesn't visit. Oh, I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me. Where would he go after that? Did he leave? It's okay to say that, as long as you know what you mean when you say it. But you may feel the manifested presence of the Lord, which I do. I love to feel God's manifested presence. But just because I don't feel it, don't mean he's not there. I don't know if you like me, but some days I wake up and I don't, I don't even feel saved. And then some days I drive on I-75 and I know I'm not saved. And my wife would tell you I'm not saved yet. But before, by the time we get out of the car and get back at the house, I'll get saved again. Come on now. Has nothing to do with what you feel, what goes on, the emotions, ups and downs, in and out. Has nothing to do. When you're born of the Spirit, you're born from above. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God doesn't ever take that from you. Yes, sir. Right. You need to be, and I need to be able to enjoy that. And so, l- listen, now, we're going to take the now out of the scripture, and we're going to put it in our life. Amen. Some of you need it. I know, you don't kid nobody our calendars on iPhones or whatever, most of us. You can write now in your daytime, or put it on your phone, put it on your calendar. Some of you need to do this act of faith, just right now. This, this starts now in my life. The things that I've asked for, so sometimes we ask, and because we don't receive in a timely manner, we quit asking. And if you quit asking, let me tell you what you'll quit doing, you'll quit thinking about it. Because those go together. What you dream about, your imagination, what you're believing God for. What, what are you believing him for? If you listen to all the messages up to this Sunday from this year, it's all been getting our, our expectations recalibrated for this year. Right. That we can walk by the Spirit. And God said, anything you ask or think, I'm able to do it. And I'm able to do it exceedingly abundantly above all that. But you got to allow my power to work in you. Let me empower you to do it. Let me be the one that makes you strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not your might. And when we yield to that, then everything's going to change because you have that anointing, and it works 24-7 wherever you go. It works in all areas of your life. Do you believe that? Do you receive the word this morning? Stand to your feet. Give the Lord praise, okay? (laughs) Ministry team, come. Hey, I want to get my community group pastors, all of you that are here today, community group leaders, you come down front as well. I want you guys to start coming down front and, and helping us as we pray and greet people. Uh, my elders come, and, and and we always do this every Sunday. Uh, we're not going to drag this along, uh, nor do we ever, but we're just saying to you that you don't have to drive off of this campus from this church facility and say, man, I wish someone had taken the time to pray with me because we all need prayer, and uh, the Bible says pray one for another. So when are we going to do that? Where well, we're going to make opportunity right now to do that. Hey guys, we'll pray with you about anything. About anything. The greatest thing that I think we could ask God for is to just receive His free gift of righteousness and salvation that comes through Christ. So if you're here today and you're not born again, all this stuff I've talked about is like strange to you. You don't know some of these terms and some of these things I'm talking about. But you know something's happened on the inside of your heart, and you you, you understand that God's calling you to salvation. How how, how do we get saved? Listen to me. In the the average American church, if you walk up to any church, and I don't mean to be arrogant in this, but if you walk up to the average Christian in any church, I don't care what what denomination, and you say, what do I need to do to to be saved? You know what they're going to tell you? First thing they're going to mention to you is your sin. They're going to say, confess your sins. Am I right? They're going to say, bow your head, close your eyes, Confess your sins. Or they're going to say, bow your head, close your eyes, repeat after me the sinner's prayer, which, by the way, is not in the Bible. And they're going to say, say this prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And they make the focus of getting saved sin. Listen to me. I know some of you know it. Most of you know it. Listen. Can I say to you that that's not in the Bible? Feel the holy hush falls over the crowd. That is not in the Bible. Romans chapter 10 Is how you get saved. That's what the whole chapter is about. The word sin does not appear in the whole chapter of Romans 10. The Bible says that what you do confess is not your sin, but you confess his righteousness. And it said you just believe it in your heart and your mouth is used to confess righteousness. Is that what it says? And it says all that call on the name of the Lord in Romans 10, it says they'll be saved. It says if you believe it in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and this ain't no religion, this ain't no joke. That Jesus really was a man. He died on the cross. He was buried. And he did raise out the tomb on the third day. If you believe that and put your confidence in his righteousness, God says you're saved. See how easy that was? One other time. Quick. Acts 16, Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas are in jail. Okay? They're chained up, all that stuff. A great supernatural miracle happens and they get set free because they're praising God at midnight. Okay? The Lord shows up and starts tapping his foot and loses everybody's chains. Now Listen. That jailer looks at Paul, listen, and he says to the great apostle, what must I do to be saved? Everybody know that's in the Bible. Say amen. Okay, so listen, here's a man asking the great apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? Notice what he did not say. He didn't say, bow your head, close your eyes, confess your sin. He didn't say, bow your head, close your eyes, repent of your sin. He never mentioned the word sin to that man. It is so wrong how we've done church. Because sin is not your issue. Because Jesus forgave your sin 2,000 years ago on the cross. You may not be enjoying the benefit of it, but he did. Because when, the, when was my sin forgiven? Last time blood was shed. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now listen. The Lord's not going to decide to save you today. What's going to happen is you're going to decide to believe the word of God. And you'll start enjoying the benefits of that forgiveness. Now, now listen. Listen. So Paul says to this man, this man says, sir, sir. What must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your whole house. See how easy that was? So how is a person saved? Don't come down here and try to confess your sins. Number one, you don't remember them all. (laughs) Don't kid yourself. You don't remember them all. Number two, your salvation is not contingent upon your ability to recall your sinfulness or to confess your sin before holy God, who took the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Not just the sin of the church, not just the sin of those that pray to me, but I took away the sin of the whole world. I reconciled the sin of the world unto myself. Are you with me? So what do you do to receive that? Believe. Some of you today need to just believe the message that I've preached. It's called grace because it's good is free. Cost him everything. Cost you nothing simply to believe. I just believe today that there's some that need to believe that and get out of that religion of making sin the focus and sin stronger than than God's. No, no. Sin's real. But the blood of Jesus is so far superior to sin that it's able to eradicate. It didn't cover your sin. It removed it. God's not looking at you as some old rotten sinner. God's looking at you as a son or daughter who needs to come home to Papa and enjoy the abundant life that's in Christ Jesus. How many receives that today? Amen. So I'm going to dismiss the church in about 30 seconds, and I want you, if you want prayer for that or for any reason, we're just asking and saying to you that we're here to pray with you and for you, and we believe God is a God who still answers prayers. So if you want prayer for any reason, you can be a visitor here today, first time here. It's our honor to pray with you. You might just want to come down and, and say, I just want to meet you, Pastor. Not that I'm anything, but I'd be glad. I'm honored to do that. I'd be honored to meet you, shake your hand, hug your neck, you know, whatever, and just to get to, to meet you and greet you and know that you're in the building today. And it's our honor to do that. So, Father, I thank you for the Word. I thank you that you have sent your Word and healed us. You've delivered us from the bondages of sin. So I praise you today. I pray today, Holy Spirit, as you draw people to you, to your love, to your grace, your, lo- your mercy, your forgiveness, that they respond to that love in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. Hope to see you in community group this week. If you want prayer, please come this way. We're here waiting on you to serve you, to pray with you.